You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast comes from HealthNetics. Do you have nagging aches and pains from your younger, more athletic days? HealthNetics CBD is a premium brand CBD that may help take care of aches and pains, as well as relieve anxiety and sleeplessness. HealthNetics products are all natural, THC-free, made in the USA, and undergo third-party lab testing to ensure quality and purity. All CBD is not the same. Order today with a money-back guarantee at HealthNetics.com and use promo code SPORTS for 20% off. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Hello there, as a one Peter Parker once said in his debut in the MCU. But that is neither here nor there. I am Jose Young. Back again for the second week in a row, Pizzi Carroll, uh, a.k.a. Mr. Scissors or anything else he has this week. Pizzi, I got my crystals with me per usual. I can't... I. Cannot believe how many people have tweeted at us that since last week's the last seven days. I cannot believe how many uh, tweets, messages, comments we've gotten about <laughs> crystals. People sending us. Uh, Jessica, uh, our longtime listener, did a breakdown of pe- of what crystals each was fighter should use in Moscow. So huge shout out to her. Uh, someone sent me. Uh, sent, someone sent us like a Photoshop graphic of jared cannonier uh wearing like a crystal crown and a scepter calling him captain crystal so uh this crystal thing has taken on a life of its own people are actually now tweeting at you mr scissors uh right now tweeting at you scissor yes. emojis so i don't know what you have this week if the scissors are back but pizzi what's been up since the last time we saw you oh my Roy, gosh i'm gonna, gonna just tell you straight away um i can't find me scissors uh it's very sad. I don't know what happened. I think probably someone from a rival podcast broke into my house and stole it because they probably. realized the potential and movement I was beginning with the scissors. And uh, I've been struck down just one week into my career as Mr. Scissors, unfortunately. So this week, I'm going to be Mr. Sellotape. Oh, God. <laughs> so no. let's, let's, let's clear this up. When you see me walking about Fight Week, if any fans see me, they're going to want to come up and we're going to talk about crystals and they're going to give me crystals. When they see you, they're going to throw scissors and tape at you. Look yes, at you, all of the stationery. Mr. Stationery. Oh, maybe. there you go. Maybe you, could, you can throw pens, like, you Construction know, paper. If you have, like, yeah. <laughs> so many the options are endless here at the moment. But, um,. <laughs> I have to say, like I think, like Jessica's nearly gunning for her own segment on the show yeah. at the moment. The way she up them, uh, the the crystals. Like I'm genuinely interested, and I'm get to I get to kind of develop my crystal vocabulary as well as she kind of points to what crystals are necessary for these fighters to get over the line in their respective events. That's what I'm saying. She tweeted that the like this. What was it like a like a graphic that she made herself with the fighter's yes. name 
the crystal next to them and then what each crystal would do so uh i loved every second of it i know pc uh loved every so i don't even have to ask pc if he loved every second of it he loved every single second of it but uh, i'm sure we'll get more of your crystal talk uh as this as the week goes on uh this is the second week in a row pc's on the show we got back by very popular demand uh ak will be back i know uh we're gonna get a lot of other fighters maybe brian kelleher will make an appearance maybe some more wwe fight wrestlers will make an appearance but for now you're stuck with mr what did you call yourself mr stationary sellotape mr stationary yeah sorry excuse me just alex at the moment he's trying we're trying to wean him off the steroids at the moment so yeah. as soon as we get him through that situation and he stops beating people <laughs> I, i'm saying be back on the show is that how we got? They don't call scars? him the bad boy for nothing. The man they with the scar, the bad, the bad boy, Alex Kaylee. But Pizzi, we're gonna jump right into it. I'm not, as always. I'll preface this: <laughs> this is not our podcast. This is your all's podcast. So if you want to leave a question, boy podcast. This is Pizzi's podcast. You answer the questions he wants you to ask, or you ask the questions he wants you to ask. So you can go on mafighting.com, find the post on the site. You can leave your comment in that comment section. The ones in green. Uh, will be prioritized or you can use hashtag the a side on twitter we got a few questions about that saying how do i ask questions on twitter use hashtag the a side and i'll get them the second half of the show uh i last week a lot of questions on twitter were the same questions on the site uh, i do have the youtube comments open uh, so i can read all of your lovely uh comments let's see what we got well, no, nothing so far no crystal or stationary talk but uh first question or I'll say first two questions, PC, because they're very similar. Uh, I, I started this off in the headline. The Nick Diaz interview with Ariel Hawani on ESPN. From Hefe01 and Doc Doc, they basically are asking very similar things. Hefe01 asks, I watched the entire interview from beginning to end, and I'm not sure I understand what he said. As a Nick Diaz fan, I'm used to the random tangents, but this is a whole new level. From what you guys were able to gather, does he want to fight? Does he want to fight Masvidal? And if it were to happen in Cowboy State, if it were to happen in Cowboy Stadium, I understood that. Do you think that fight would actually be made? Uh, and Doc Doc asks, can Nick Diaz really come back in shape in, after partying for years? I know he's a warrior, but the guy didn't look like he was planning to come back during the last few years. Even if it's not against Masvidal, I don't see him doing good in the UFC at this point. I feel like he has gone too far, especially at the age of 36. So yes, Pizza, you said you've watched the entire uh, interview. I am not quite done yet. I've been I've been pretty busy the last few days. I made fighting stuff. I've been watching it here and there. But uh, Nick Diaz gave a really extensive interview with Ariel Hawani uh, on ESPN. Uh, his first real interview in a long time and always when nick and ariel get together you know something's gonna gonna happen but very as nick diaz does you ask him one question and you get an 18 minute answer and he just goes off on these tangents and whatsoever so nothing out of the ordinary there uh so i'll start with that first part of the questions first since i believe you watched the entire thing uh what did you make of the entire interview uh you at what what did you make of it? Is Nick Diaz coming back? Should we expect him to come back? Do you really th do you think after watching that fight, that interview, will he fight Jorge Masvidal? Um, I I don't think so. No, I think um, you know, you're dead right in what you're saying. It was classic Nick in the sense that you know he was meandering towards a point, but I felt <clears throat> the point didn't come like it usually does. Like usually, you you can understand what he's trying to get across. Um, you cannot, you're in the ballpark anyway, right? Like, I mean, 
uh, half the enjoyment of a Nick Diaz interview is trying to decipher what point he's trying to make. But this was very far away from even even the the classic Diaz moments where where he are trying to piece together what he's saying. I, I found it very difficult to understand what he was trying to get across. He definitely did uh, posture for Jorge Masvidal. Um, he kind of reluctantly talks about fighting. Like I mean, it's not as much as. He wants to fight as he has to fight, it feels like. And, um, yeah, look, I don't think he he looks like he's ready to get back in there anytime soon. Um, but, look, if that interview didn't happen, we would have been in perpetual kind of what's going on with Nick Diaz mode. Like, I feel like we've been watching his IG stories for years going, is he that bad when he does an interview like that? You're like, yeah, yeah, he is. And um, it's very sad. Uh, one of the most beloved fighters of his generation. Um, a true original and original still there's absolutely no doubt about it but um you know as much as it was a uh, classic nick diaz in the sense that the way he does his interviews and he conducts himself uh, like i think i think people are very far off the point by saying i don't know what you guys are talking about he's always like this he's not always like that he really isn't um i've watched every single interview nick diaz has ever done on imagine and that is not what he's usually like um and i know fans of his um, are so loyal and uh, they they don't want to say uh, you know he looked pretty bad there and stuff but look um I don't think there's any doubt about it um and look sometimes this is what needs to happen um the 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 online reaction to it was was pretty much like what's wrong with Nick what's going on so maybe he needs to see that reaction to realize that he's going through a bit of a situation at the moment and maybe the people around him need to see that as well um so yeah, I hope good things come from it. Um, I definitely think um, his story can move on from there because he's done that interview, and maybe we'll see a change in his form. But I don't think he's ready to fight, and um, you know, I think he's a good bit off it. Do I ever think he'll fight again? I don't know, but uh, right now, it's 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 very hard to see him fighting. I think. Yeah, I don't think he's fighting anytime soon. I don't if it, <laughs> if it ever happens. Like the soonest I think it could happen is late 2020, uh, and he'd really have to get in the gym because I I have no idea if he's been training. I'm sure he's been in the gym. I'm sure he's rolled. I'm sure he's hit pads. But like Nate said, he was in the gym a lot. Like he he basically had fight camps and didn't have a fight. And then when, so that's when the when the Anthony Pettis fight came around, he was ready to go. He took a few years off, uh, and he was like, I was in camp the whole time. I just needed a fight. I think those are his exact words uh, on the two, three-year layoff after the Conor McGregor fight. But uh, Nate, Nick Diaz's last fight was January 31st, 2015, against Anderson Jesus. Silva. That was a no contest. We're almost That was almost five years ago. Uh, in a few months, that'll be, have been five years ago. That's when both him and uh, Anderson Silva uh, uh had the uh, anti-doping uh, violations, and then Nick, they wanted to suspend Nick Diaz forever, and then it was going to be five years and this huge fine. Uh, before that, he fought George St. Pierre, March 2013, so that was about a two-year layoff. Before that, he fought Carlos Condit, February 2012, so that was another year layoff. And before that, his last win was UFC 137 in October 2011. So we're almost BJ nine Penn? years between his last win 
Uh, and since then, he's fought in 2011, 2012, 2013, and 2015. So uh, Nick Diaz has never fought in the Reebok era. We've, we, I was looking for uh, photos of him to make uh, some graphics for the MMA Fighting Instagram page. And I realized, I'm like, this man has no photos of him in Reebok gear. He was pre-Reebok. Uh, if he comes back, it'll be quite, it'll be quite the sight to see uh, Nick Diaz not in his... his uh, what, what was that? I can't remember. The Metal Militia, I think, was one of his big sponsors that he, he would always wear. And uh, Nate, obviously, has the rep. Present that I would say Stockton on the front, but it would be quite a sight to see Nick Diaz in uh, Reebok gear. But no, I don't. I do not think Nick Diaz will fight anytime soon. Uh, even from the first, uh, I've seen. I think I've seen about three quarters of the interview. Doesn't look like he's ready to fight at all. You brought up his Instagram stories. Anyone that follows Nick Diaz on Instagram or Snap, no, he's rarely posting videos of himself in the gym. He's usually in the club or at a bar on the beach, doing whatever. You don't really see that with Nate. Nate is usually. Uh, posting photos of him training or hanging out with friends and stuff. So two drastically different uh, individuals. Uh, could Nick do it? Sure. I mean, he's a lifetime fighter. He's fought his whole life. But I, I, I agree with you. I don't think he'll come back. But the second half of the question, uh, if he does come back, will he look good? Even if it's not against Moswell. That's what uh, Doc, Doc, uh, Do Doc is asking. Even if Nick goes hard and trains and gets back in shape and fights Hari Masvidal, Will would we see the Nick Diaz of old inside the octagon? I think that's hard to say. Like I think that's like I mean in in the in the situation he's in there, he's past his physical prime. Uh, his age would suggest that much. Um, he hasn't fought in a very long time, which in fairness, Nate did uh, fight very well when he came back against Anthony Pettis, and he'd been out for a long time. But I feel like Nick's in a very different situation. Um, as you said, Nate was constantly training. He always uh, seemed to be fit. And, and to be fair to Nick, like I mean, anytime we've seen the guy with his shirt off, he still looks in great shape. Yeah. But um, I, I don't know. I, I don't. Um, I don't. Uh, I don't think. I think it's hard to say at this moment. Just on the back of that interview, I think it would be very difficult to say. Yeah, I think he's going to be back and he's going to come back at his best. I think there are two things I definitely wasn't thinking anyway after watching that interview you know what i mean yeah i'm about to pull up the ufc welterweight rankings because and let's not forget his fight against anderson silva was at middleweight he did he fought a 185 it's not like he fought yeah. his last his last welterweight fight was against george st pierre uh so i'm gonna go through the welterweight rankings do you think he could be i'm gonna start at the bottom do you think he could beat jeff neal gilbert burns vicente luque ben Askren, or robbie lawler no. Yeah, and then no. Anthony Pettis sitting there at number ten. He might that that might be a good scrap just because Anthony Pettis is technically a small welterweight, and, and Nick Diaz is kind of a tall uh, welterweight. So maybe that's something. Uh, and he's not going to fight Nate. And then after that, it's Wonderboy, Ponzinibbio, Damian Maya would be kind of a fun jujitsu matchup. Dos Anjos, Leon Edwards, Masvidal, Covington, Woodley, Usman. I don't see a lot of names I would favor Nick Diaz over uh, against in twenty twenty. No, and like I mean, even even it's hard to understand where he is at with Nate. Even I found like from watching, I was kind of like, you know, um, I think he got he took exception to a question that Ariel asked him about. Like he was like, Ariel was asking him like, what's it like to see Nate in this situation? Blah blah blah. And he, and, and Nate and Nick kind of said, oh yeah, like he has everything that I should have. And it wasn't what he asked him, you know. And it yeah. was just a bit weird. Um, there was there was situations like that. Um. Um, even with Caesar Gracie, who was like, you know, 
the way Nate talks about Nick is the way they used to all talk about Caesar Gracie. And um, I don't know, his answer to the question of it, you know, is he still he's still on good terms with Caesar, even though he said, yeah, it seemed like there had been a bit of distance between those two guys and always felt like he was a big father figure for Nick. So it's just, um, it's just hard to know what's going on, what type of circles he's running in. Cause the only kind of circles we used to see him in where all the fighters around him, like you see Nate now, you know, just crone and all the guys they train with like Chris Avila, guys like that. Um, Joe Schilling, don't don't see those guys around Nick anymore. So it's it's really it's hard to know what's going on. But to be honest, it's it's not an all too unfamiliar situation for combat sports athletes. You know, especially guys that are as famous as Nick. Yeah, like just looking at what the original scrap pack. Every time they fight, you have Jake Shields, Gilbert Melendez, Nick and Nate, and then Caesar Gracie. And you don't see Jake. You don't see Gilbert like in the corners really anymore. Uh, I think Nick Nick was a little his fight against Anderson. I I said I believe like someone was hurt. Jake was doing his own thing. Gilbert was doing his own thing. So like Nick didn't train with them at all for the Anderson's fight. So maybe he felt slighted there. Uh, someone in the comment sections, do you think he could you would favor Nick against fighters like Matt Brown and Mickey Gall? Mickey Gall maybe. Matt Brown, I don't think I'd favor him right now. I I just feel like. Like what? Why are we even going there? You know, yeah. like what? Like at that at that point, what are we doing? You know, like what? Um, this is a guy that was fighting the best fighters in the world. Yeah, uh, I don't not really interested in seeing fighting Mickey Gall just so he can possibly pick up a win. That that really doesn't interest me. Not even just the some of the best. Like four. Like his last five fights are against Anderson Silva, George Saint Pierre, Carlos Condit, BJ Penn, and then before that. He fought Paul Daly in what I think is the greatest one-round fight in the history of mixed martial arts oh, uh, and strike force. Unbelievable. And so he's not just fighting the best. He's fighting probably four of the Mount Rushmore of the UFC at BJ George and Anderson Silva. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and I mean, over here, Paul, Paul Daly, I feel like Paul Daly's underrated, to be honest. Yeah. I know he, he had a bad... Uh, kind of exit from the UFC. Look at that guy's record, man. Look at him in the knockouts that guy's had. It's, it's absolutely preposterous. He's not a he's not a great media guy, I guess. He doesn't do a lot of interviews. Um, it's difficult to get a hold of him, speaking from personal experience. So maybe that's that's why it is, but Paul Daly's a badass, man. He is, I man, just uh, his awesome. fight against MVP yeah. left a uh, bad taste in my mouth. Which one? The fight against MVP. MVP. Yeah, because I've been watching like pe people that follow me on Twitter. I've been calling for that fight ever since Paul Daly signed with Bellator. I said that ha that fight has to be the first fight they make, and then it finally happened like three or four years later, and you saw how that fight played out. So uh, it was. I mean, it, it, I don't like calling fights boring because he was trying to pick up the W any way he could, and he took him down and everything. But man, that fight did not. That fight is not what I thought it would, was going to be. Yeah, well, especially because it was all UK versus UK, so much shit talk, so much yeah. animosity, and then it's like, you know, from two strikers like that, you're expecting it to just be absolutely devastating, whatever way it goes, and it just wasn't that. It was the furthest thing from it. Believe me, um, you know, first of all, everyone in Europe was so pissed off that that didn't happen in the UK, yeah. and then they stay up till fucking 5 a.m. to watch that shit. Yeah, believe me, we were very, very unhappy campers. Wasn't Crow Cop on that card too? Was it Crow Cop Roy Nelson on that card? 
So that, like, again, like, I think Crow Cop is obviously... Oh, yeah. Well, that made up for everything, Jose. Well, I'm saying, like, you have Crow Cop <laughs> as the co-main event and Paul Daly MVP as the main event. Like, that should have been in the UK is what I'm trying to say. Like, Crow Cop fighting in Uncasville, oh, Connecticut yeah, yeah. makes okay. no sense to me. Um, looking at the YouTube section, Nick is, Nick is going to fight a big name, not ranked fighters. I'm not... Yeah, I mean, Hori Masvidal is the only fight I think he would take right now. What did he say? Like, you don't say that about my younger brother. Like, Jorge Masvidal said, I baptize Nate. And then Nick took issue with that, and Nick said, "Like it go, it just goes along with the like." Even Nick Nate said, uh, "He called out the Rock." He goes, "I'm not hating. You're just on the wrong side." So it doesn't seem like Nick has anything personal against Jorge. He just took issue with what he said about his younger brother. Yeah, he was kind of like the. I think one of the early questions I asked him was like, "How do you feel?" And he was like, I "Just watch my brother got kicked in the face." How yeah. do you think I feel? Yeah. And I was like, "Okay." He wasn't then, even. Um, uh, he was there yeah, on, and it's, it's he was there on the the weigh-ins. You watched the ceremony weigh-ins, right? And he came out with Nate, and Nick had the biggest pop. Of the whole, of everyone, he had a bigger pop than The yeah. Rock. He had a big. I think maybe Roberto Duran had a big pop, but I think people really couldn't see him when Jorge Masvidal pointed it out. But Nate was like, "I'm here with the greatest fighter of all time, Nick Diaz." And then I was at the media day, and someone said, "If you're the BMF champion now, who was the BMF champion before you?" And he's like, "Nick Diaz, duh." So his younger brother Nate is hyping him up. I think what did Nick say? He says that belt's mine. Like. He, he he just didn't want to get in his yeah. brother's way. So if Nate comes, if Nick if Nick if Nick comes back and fights Jorge Masvidal, uh, which they were supposed to fight already, remember that randomly happened. I think almost a year ago, a little more than a year ago. But sure, that's what Nick Nick said. Uh, he has no idea how that happened. He said he was just sitting there one day and a poster just emerged. So um, yeah, like I mean, like some people i guess weren't weren't fans of the sport when nick was in his heyday and i guess his heyday was probably in strike force yeah. and um you know like like just for instance my brother who who got me into the sport my older brother he probably hasn't watched an interview in mma in a long long time but he he went out of his way to watch that because nick was back you know what i mean same as my uh one of my good friends i, I called them last night or whatever night the interview was on monday and uh, he was on his way home from work and he's like don't just call me. I haven't watched the Nick Diaz interview yet, so just call me afterwards. He hung up straight away so you could watch it, you know? So it's like, you know, that's uh, what he means to people. And I guess. I believe Nick Diaz's um, mom posted something on Twitter or Instagram or something. And it was like a screenshot of the two aerial videos. It was his interview with Nick and his interview with The Rock. And Nick's numbers completely dwarfed The Rock's numbers. So it just goes to show you that yeah. yeah, Nick Diaz comes back. He's gonna he's gonna draw. He Nick Diaz is a draw. He is quote unquote a needle mover. And anyone who argues against that is an idiot. Yeah, yeah, no, one hundred percent. It's just like, is he in the right place to go into an eight week camp at the moment? That's that's the issue. You know what I mean? Like I don't think it's anything else. Um, the fight needs to make sense, as you said. Nothing really outside of Masvidal really makes sense to me at the moment, and. To be honest, I don't think that's that's a good move at the moment, you know? Yeah, I don't. I mean, Masvidal is piecing up his younger brother. I know Nate said that. He posted a photo of him, like, punching Masvidal off his back, and he goes, this is the moment I Weird, knew yeah. Jorge didn't want the fight. I'm like, he's on top of you, man. I don't know what you're talking about, but uh, I'm sure we could do an entire episode on Nick and Nate Diaz and the inner, the inner workings of the Diaz brothers. So we're going to move right along. 
from our man Trumbo, longtime commenter, and I'm very excited about this question. Brian Ortega Woo! versus the Korean Zombie. Sort of a sleeper fight, book-ending book the massive UFC 245 fight card. How do you see this fight going? Does the winner get the next title shot? So I'm going to start this, Pizza Carroll. If anyone follows me on Twitter, I looked back through my timeline. In 2015, I tweeted, I want to see Brian Ortega fight the Korean Zombie. And every single time one of those, fight, those two fight, I always tweet, I want to see Brian Ortega fight the Korean Zombie. They were supposed to fight in Mexico. It didn't happen. I interviewed Brian Ortega at UFC 241. Uh, he said that uh, some management issues, some they were working through a contract and this and that, but he wanted to fight uh, the Korean Zombie. He wanted to fight in Mexico specifically, blah, blah, blah. Didn't happen. He's now fighting in Korea, in Busan, which if you're going to go to Korea, you can't not have the Korean Zombie. on. Yes, they've been there before, but Korean Zombie was uh, doing his... Uh, uh, Man, uh, mandatory uh, army military serv military service so couldn't be on those cards uh but i cannot wait for this fight if i knew this fight was happening in january 2019 and it was still happening in december 2019 every other fight would pale in comparison to this this is the fight that i've been waiting for my whole life and if this fight doesn't happen, you're going to see Jose with tears coming down his cheeks on the A-side. So wrap yourself in bubble wrap, boys. Uh, <laughs> how do I see this fight going? Absolute chaos. That's how I see it happening. Does the winner get the next title shot? That depends. The last time Koreans, remember when Korean Zombie fought Yair Rodriguez? He was out for a while because that bet that he was badly beat up. This is Brian Ortega's first fight since he got beat up by Max Holloway last december almost a year ago uh where he absorbed like a record number of strikes and then they stopped the fights between round four and five if that if that had gone continued on to round five i think brian ortega might have died so pizzi as he opens his whatever he's opening i'm gonna put him on the spot he's drinking some sort of liquid there's no wrapping on it so he can't see i'm assuming that's a water bottle filled to the brim with vodka that's you damn right that's what it is jose <laughs> <laughs> how on brand so but, uh, Niall and Pizzi never can never do podcasts without being drunk <laughs> look it's a it's a it's a it's a disease what can I say <laughs> what can I, I say mean, I have to take every he day has to take drums. a big swig before he talks about <laughs> Brian Ortega versus the Korean zombie right yeah absolutely I got I, the thing I love about Brian Ortega is um, how rap how quickly he attacks from the clinch with the yeah. guillotines and stuff like that, and you can tell like that's a pretty that's a thing that people do uh, when they're white belts. You know what I mean? They'll 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 do that bad judo when they're standing there trying to get it to the ground, and they'll attack like a, a guillotine um, because they don't know how to do anything else. But the way he does it is incredible, and you see seasoned guys really struggling with it, like Cub Swanson. Unbelievable, like a, a fantastic jiu-jitsu player. Um, Frank Yeager, as soon as he gets a hold of you, his, his clinch is just incredible. And he's always looking for an immediate entry into a submission. Like, I mean, a lot of guys are always thinking about double unders or, you know, over-under, trying to get an underhook on one side, trying to get a wizard. This lad's just trying to grab your neck, just lynch your neck up. And I think that's unbelievable. Um, I feel like he does have the grappling edge, even though Korean Zombie is incredibly underrated. Like, I mean, Twister in, in the UFC. The guy is brilliant. I feel like Ortega's a little bit better, though. Um, I'd probably give the striking edge to uh, Zombie, though. Like, I, I love I Zombie. And, um, both, of, both of the lads can go to war. That's that's why I'm kind of th I'm agreeing with you, and it could be an absolutely wild fight, you know? Because they both can go to go to the well really, really hard. Like, I've seen both of those guys in unbelievable wars. I mean, it's, it's crazy to actually see 
what zombie is now compared to the guy that we were watching back in the Lena Garcia days, right? Like, yeah. I mean, it's it's pretty unbelievable how sophisticated a striker he is now. I I I I asked Brian specifically, like, does the fact that he is that Korean zombie has the only twister submission in you in like UFC history, which is an obviously a Eddie Bravo tenth planet creation, and Brian Ortega, I think, out of everyone, not everyone, I don't want to say because. I don't want to disrespect anyone, but he he definitely represents the Gracie Jiu-Jitsu uh, almost like no one else in the UFC. The the the, the Henner I think walks him out. I always get them confused. I believe it's Henner uh, is is always in his corner. Uh, he he rep he has his academy out in uh, California. So I asked him like, is this like a Gracie Jiu-Jitsu versus Tenth Planet thing? He goes, Hey man, we're all Jiu-Jitsu, but it definitely played a factor. It, 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 he 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 saw the interest level in that in that kind of un, that 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 rivalry that kind of boils in the surface where this is like a 10th planet guy even though i'm not calling korean zombie a 10th planet guy he just used a 10th planet submission uh against one of the the gracie academy's like most heralded fighters in the ufc uh but korean zombie i don't think has ever been in a boring fight i've listed this a few times but there was an era where i think korean zombie was the most exciting fighter in the world uh, Same. In any in UFC, WEC, Strike Force, Bellator, whatever, he had a fight of the year against Leonard Garcia. Uh, he had a Twister submission, the only submission uh, in UFC history, which also won submission of the year. He had a seven second knockout against Mark Hominick in Toronto, like fat, at the time was the fastest knockout in UFC history. After Mark Hominick walked out, so I'm coming home. He's fighting in Toronto, this and that. I believe it was in Toronto. And then he gets knocked out in seven seconds. It was oh. it was quite a sad scene. Uh, and then he follows that up with uh, my personal, my favorite fight ever was his, was Korean Zombie versus Dustin Poirier. Uh, another fight of the year. And then this is when Dustin Poirier was submitting everyone with Darce jokes. So what does Korean Zombie do? He hits him with a flying knee in like the third or fourth round and submits him with a dark choke for another submission of the year so there was this span of time where i don't i think justin gaethje's kind of in that category too robbie lawler had that string of fight of the years where it was like the two against hendrix uh then the one against condit where it was like every fight robbie lawler was in was going to be a fight of the year korean zombies like that brian ortega is one of the most exciting fighters i've ever seen with jiu-jitsu uh the fight against max holloway didn't really go as planned especially because max holloway kind of put him through a wood chipper uh but when you ask me how do I see this fight going? Korean Zombie's never in boring fights. Brian Ortega's never in boring fights. Let's not forget, Brian Ortega didn't get knocked out. They had to stop the fight on the stool. Like He was ready to go out for round five before they stopped it. Uh, so, cannot wait. Fighting in enemy, enemy territory. My body is ready. That's all I can say. <laughs> <laughs> Remember Korean Zombie's old t-shirts? They were awesome. Oh my Remember, god, like, they, they, they were amazing. They, they were so cool, man. Like, and the face was all bashed up on the front of it, like, yep. and it had like a few, like the Frankenstein screws in the head and all. That was I so have, cool. Uh, I still have a few of those somewhere in my closet. I don't wear them as much ever since. I, I think made, I do as well. Yeah, yeah. Ever since I became MMA media full time, I try not to wear fighters uh, shirts. But if you see me in the gym, yeah. I might be running in like a really old, beat up Korean zombie shirt. Uh, but I could also talk about the Korean zombie and Brian Ortega for an hour. So, but we're gonna move on from longtime commenter Lodovic. <laughs> Blakovic versus Jacare. Hello, friends. Lodovic, baby. <laughs> 
Who do you think wins this Love fight between Jan Blachowicz and Jacare Souza? And how close is the winner to a title shot after Reyes? Does the winner of this fight fight Corey Anderson for the number one contender? Or is something else more likely? Thanks. So, yes, PC Carroll. Under the radar, uh, Jan Blachowicz is welcoming Jacare Souza to the light heavyweight division this weekend in UFC Sao Paulo. Our own Guillermo Cruz will be there. So you can stick around on this YouTube channel for all kinds of excellent whoop, content. Whoop. Uh, I, was in, I was in Boston when Dominic Reyes knocked out Chris Wyman. And a lot of it was... Uh, do you think you deserve the title shot? What about Corey Anderson and Johnny Walker? This and that. That was a lot of the co- that was a lot of the comments. Someone in the UFC PR, I was standing next to you, just we were just talking. He goes, "Man, everyone's forgetting about Jacques, like the Jacare Jan Blakovitz fight. That's a light heavyweight. Jan Blakovitz coming off that knockout a win over Luke Rockhold, and you know if Luke Rockhold had won that fight, he was probably fighting John Jones next. Uh, I believe Corey Anderson has a win over Jan Blakovitz. I'm not mistaken. So uh, I, I don't want to speak out of. I don't want to be. I, I think he has a win. I'll look. I'll look up in a second. Um, Jacare had that long middle rate run where it always seems like he'd get right there to a title shot, and then he would lose a number one contender. Um, last loss to Jack Hermanson on I believe it was the UFC Sunrise or that one in, in South Florida or in Florida, um, and then he has like that that Michael Bisman kind of waiting for that GSP fight or fighting Dan Henderson and then waiting for the GSP fight kind of uh, threw a wrench into Jacare's title shot plans because I felt like he probably would have got the next shot after you have, after Michael Bisping won uh, if they didn't make immediately make that Luke Rockhold fight. But he missed out on it. Uh, but P.C. Carroll, as someone who's watched John Blackwood's fight for a long time and someone who's fought, that's watched Jacare Souza fight for a long time, what do you make of this fight? And does the next does this person past Corey Anderson for a title shot. It's hard to know, right? Like, I feel like, as we talked about there, like, last week, I feel like even though Corey's in better favor than he ever has been, probably with the fans and media and just general interest, um, it seems Mr. White is a bit annoyed with him being so outspoken. So I think that's going to factor into this as well. But, I mean, when I think about this fight, like, I mean, you mentioned it there, I just can't help but think about You actually mentioned both of them. I can't help but think about all the guys that are moving up from middleweight and thinking this is going to be a big uh, is going to be a big move for them. I mean, Weidman, Rockhold, and now Jackare. I mean, it's tough to see. Like, Jan isn't easy to take down either. If 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 Rockhold was going to have one definite path to victory against Blackovich, you, you, you would have thought it was taking him down. But he's, he's not easy to take down, and, and he hits like a mule. So, I feel like Jacare has looked good, has looked like he's improved his striking a lot, but um, Hermanson really boxed the face off him when they fought. Like, I mean, he, he boxed him up really nicely in Florida, and I feel oh, yeah. like Jan has been known for his striking for a lot longer than Hermanson's really been praised for that element of his game. Hermanson was always kind of taught to be, like, you know, a, a very a very good grappler, a, very, like, a guy who mixed wrestling and jiu-jitsu very well together and had a good jab, but probably... We never thought he was capable of the boxing performance he put on against Sosa. So I don't think it's a really good fight for him. I mean, how bad was the was the cut to middleweight? Like, I mean, we read Guilherme's article as well about the, the mental struggles that yeah. uh, Jack Array's been going through. So uh, I think it's a very, very tough fight. And and people forget how old Jack Array is as well, man. He's he's getting on. Is he over 40? I think he is. Uh, let me look. That is an excellent question. He's 39, but he turns 40 December 7th. 
see that's what like we're mates so I was like shit when am I gonna send him his birthday card and that's what I got myself. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, you mentioned the Chris Weidmans and the Luke Rockles moving up in weight, and they're, they're the ones that really talked a lot about John Jones, and then you saw what happened. They both got knocked out. Uh, but then you see what happens with Thiago Santos and Anthony Smith. I feel like those two fighters moved up and kind of – they didn't like, – like Weidman and Rockholds, if they had won their first fights at, at light heavyweight, they most likely would have fought John Jones next if Weidman had beaten uh, – did I get disconnected? Can you can people not see me anymore? I don't know. I can see you. Well, people are saying that. Oh, Jose's gone. Jose's gone. Well, maybe oh, I'm. Oh, maybe gone. the camera switch did it. Like maybe I'm. No, you're so good. I'm here by myself. All right, there we go. I just had to switch cameras, but we're back. Uh, I had to switch cameras because my web camera uh, became unplugged. But that is. That's just all the other podcasts trying to hack into our system and For try to real. break us down Honestly. because we're taking over the game. It Honestly. happens. You want to see the emails that I'm getting during this? People going, please stop. Please stop, Jose and Pizzi. We can't handle the power of the crystals. Oh, Who knows? Maybe, maybe, maybe like the crystals messed up the camera situation there and, and turned your camera off because they're very we're, powerful. I think we're back now. I think you're right because I took my crystals off of my microphone. Uh, so I have to put them back. So we're golden now. But uh, back to what I was saying. I do think if White, obviously if Weidman and Rockle had won, they most likely would have fought on John Jones next. And that was a lot of the narrative going into that fight. Every question for Weidman and Rockhold were, uh, how, how does is John Jones beatable? How do you think you'd stack up against John Jones? This and that. You weren't getting those questions when Tiago Santos moved up. And you weren't getting those questions when Anthony Smith moved up. I feel like those two fighters kind of came in with a, I got nothing to lose here. I'm just going to fight crazy as yeah. best i want and that's what you saw you saw anthony smith just decimate a lot of these fighters same as tiago santos while wyman rockhold may have viewed their fights against jan blackwitz and dominic Reyes as kind of the stepping stone to john jones i don't see a lot of people saying oh jacare are you gonna fight john jones next this and that so maybe maybe jacare is just taking i well i, I don't want to say put words in his in his mouth or uh try to try to figure out what's going through his mind but you never know uh i don't know how this fight plays out i've thought about it a lot i feel like jan has lost a lot of fights i thought he would win and he's won a lot of fights i thought he would lose i thought he was gonna lose to luke rockhold uh i'll be as as honest as possible um did he and he lost i thought he was gonna beat tiago santos i thought he'd beat patrick cummins and i i knew i believed he would uh lose to alexander gustin so uh a lot of fights and no he did not fight uh Corey Anderson. Did I? Oh, he lost to Corey Anderson a long time ago. UFC 191. Oh, he did. He did. Yeah. He did, yeah. UFC 191. He also lost well, to Jimmy Manuel. Well, I'll tell you. Yeah, and the rematch was insane. But the the thing is, um, going to your head now, I'm sure you'll agree with me. If they were like, out of all the light heavyweights, who would you like to see John Jones for? I'm like Corey Anderson, mate. I'd like yeah. Jimmy Corey. A hundred percent. So that goes. I was going to say that for the second part of the question. Uh, do you think this winner fights Corey Anderson for the number one contender fight? I, I, a hundred percent believe the UFC will try to get Corey Anderson to fight the winner. But if I'm Corey Anderson, I'm saying hell no. I just had the best performance of my life. I knocked out the hype train. Uh, people are more interested in Corey Anderson than ever before. Dominic Reyes is probably again it's not it's not i will preface this where it's not official john jones just tweeted like i decided i'm gonna fight dominic reyes next he decided it over Corey anderson uh but if i'm Corey anderson i just say beat it nerds i'm gonna wait for my turn and then jacare also it depends on how this fight plays out like if it's a dud 
I don't think they're going to give it to him. But if Jockery just goes out there and just like flying arm bars, John Blockovitz in the first 60 seconds of the fight, which you never know, it could happen. It's the fight game. Uh, maybe they do something a little differently. But who knows? I am not making predictions because the last I picked Calvin Cater to beat Zabit. I picked Nate to beat Jorge. I picked Kelvin to beat Darren Till. I picked Yoel Romero to beat Paulo Costa. I'm picking a lot of fights wrong. Uh, so I'm not going to yeah, pick. Yeah, I picked all of them as well. I'm not picking. I'm not making a prediction for that fight right now because everyone's going to be like, Jose is always wrong. Blah. I picked Askren to beat Damian Maya. Everyone's going to throw it in my face. So no, I will not be picking uh, a winner of that fight. Uh, but sticking on that card, uh, not it's not green on the site, but I would like to get, he asked you PT uh, specifically from Eduardo Bueno, Shogun versus Paul Craig. What chances does Paul Craig have against Shogun? I think Shogun is better in every single aspect, but I'm sure Pizzi knows Craig better than I. Thanks. So, yes, Pizzi, Paul Craig fighting. Uh, future UFC Hall. I believe he actually, his fight against Dan Henderson is in the UFC Hall of Fame, but I don't think he's in as an individual should fighter. Be. Uh, he absolutely should be. He should be in, if there's a mixed martial arts Hall of Fame, Shogun, who is, should be a first ba- is a first ballot Hall of Famer. Uh, he's now fighting Paul Craig, UFC Sao Paulo. Uh, I, I believe Shogun was supposed to fight Sam Alvey before that fight fell through. I think Sam might have gotten hurt. Yeah. Uh, now he's fighting Paul Craig. Uh, from your neck of the woods over on that side of the pond, what do you make of Paul Craig's chances against Mauricio Shogun Hua? You know, um, this is a fight that uh, Paul has been calling for for about six months, or if not a year. Uh, he, he was on Eurobash about six months ago. He was talking about it, like if he could pick a fight... Um, it would be against Shogun. Um, he feels as though that was never going to happen unless it was a short notice call up. Like, I mean, if you look at the people that Paul Craig has been fighting in the UFC, he's nearly like a gatekeeper. Yeah. He even admits this himself. He's nearly like the guy who you put in a fight. Like, all of the debuting undefeated light heavyweights always fight Paul Craig. If they can beat him, they stay. If they don't beat him, they're gone. You know, that that's the way it is. And um, you feel like, look, look at what. Shogun did to Tyson Pedro in his last fight. Like <laughs> sometimes he just shows up like that, and it's like shit. You remember, you remember everything about the guy who won the Pride Middleweight Grand Prix. You remember the guy who beat Rashad to win the UFC title. Um, you know, an absolute legend uh, of the game, beat, as you he said. Beat, he um, beat Machida. He beat Machida for the title. Oh, sorry, sorry. That's right. That's correct. That was a rematch, right? As well. Jesus Christ. Yep. Yeah. Sorry, I was thinking about Machida beating yeah, Rashad, yeah. and then yeah, but um, the. Uh, he, it's it's a tough fight for Paul, and as well as that, he has got to go to Brazil to fight Shogun in Brazil. <laughs> that's fucking that's that's harsh, but um, he's very sneaky. I'll give you, I'll give Paul this much, right? Every time I'm watching him, I think like he's completely emptied his gas tank by the yeah. end of the first round, and somehow he keeps on submitting people in the third round. Like nearly, like it's happened a lot. Like I mean, he got that last second submission in London against I think it was Ankelev or someone, um. The dude was debuting, completely dominates him for 14 minutes, 59 seconds. And then Paul just throws a triangle on him. I think he wins in the last second or something like that. Um, he's never out of a fight. I will give him that much. He, he's never out of a fight. And this is a guy that's very much like gone to the UFC um, as a guy who was still developing his game because he was oh, the yeah. Bama champion. And then it just all seemed to happen very quickly for him. Um I can remember they were they were trying to set up Paul Craig v Chris Fields, who'd be a big name over this neck of the woods. He was in the Ultimate Four. He's a former Cage Warriors champion. Um, but you know, I feel like as well with Paul, 
I feel like before every single fight he's in, people are like, if he loses this one, he's going to go. It doesn't matter if he's on a win or a loss. It's just constantly uh, they feel like the wolf is at the door for Paul Craig. It would be undoubtedly the biggest win of his career. It's undoubtedly a huge step up. Um, I, I think the clever money is on Shogun, but stranger things have happened. Paul Craig um, can cause upset 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 uh he can get upset wins from anywhere he really is very sneaky when it comes to uh submission so i mean shogun shogun's got a black belt as well so that's going to be difficult but i mean stranger things have happened this is a very strange sport but uh i think the clever money's on shogun for sure yeah i would agree especially because this is a short notice fight but like i my only interaction i've ever had with paul craig uh face to face was uh, his fight at UFC 209 against uh, Tyson Pedro in 2017. That was Vegas. And uh, Paul Craig was still undefeated at the time. He was coming off that submission win. I believe it was in the December card. Uh, I can't remember who he fought. That was on the uh, Paige Van Zandt and Michelle Watterson card in Sacramento. Luis Enrique, was it? Probably. That sounds about right. Uh, but he fought Tyson Pedro. And there was a lot of media there. A lot of people wanted to talk to Paul Craig. And he was kind of like... He was loving it. He was loving all the attention. He was loving the media. The stare downs got real, like, you know, Paul Craig, like, back then was, like, getting real hostile. He had the face paint and everything. And then he gets knocked out dead in, like, in the first round. He does the same thing against Cleo Roundtree. And now I have this image. Uh, and I was in it his was hometown in, as it well. It was in Scotland. It was in Glasgow. Uh, Cleo Roundtree. I have this image burned into my head. Uh, he just put... Paul Craig to sleep and then just like stood over him with his arms folded. Like, what, like, what are you going to say there? now? I was at that. He was like, what are you going to say now? And then I believe the next fight was uh, when he had that, that submission with one second left on the clock. And if he had lost that, that would have been three losses in a row, two of them being by knockout. He probably was going to get his walking papers, but he won that fight with one second left and he like burst into tears. So you're right. He can beat anyone and he can lose to anyone. Shogun is not the Shogun of old. Uh, I think that's that's safe to say. He does have that TKO win over uh, Tyson Pedro on my birthday, I do want to say. Uh, but he also got badly beat by Anthony Smith. And if he had beaten Anthony Smith, I don't think it would have been out of the question that he would have fought Daniel Cormier for the UFC Light Heavyweight Championship of the World. That would have been four wins in a row. And Daniel Cormier himself said, was Shogun is a legend. Like, I would grant him a title shot just based on name alone. He seemed to be one of those guys. Like, I remember when Anthony Pettis was the lightweight champion. He said, if BJ Penn asked to fight me for the championship of the world, I would say yes, because he's BJ Penn. And I feel like Daniel Cormier had that same respect uh, for Shogun. But he'd beaten uh, Little Nog, Corey Anderson, and Gian Vellante. Two decisions and a TKO. Uh, but then his loss, other losses were to OSP, Dan Henderson. He got tapped by Chael Sonnen. He got beat by Gustafson. So he's beating the best of the best, and he's beating the James Tahunas, Gian Vellantes, Tyson Pedros. Maybe he beats Paul Craig. We haven't seen him since uh, that, that fight almost a year ago. And before that, it was July. In the Hamburg card, right? Wasn't that the main event? Yeah. Yeah. It was like, yeah, him and Anthony Smith, right? Um, but, like, I mean, is Paul Craig, like, in the same thing as John Volante and these guys? Probably, right? Like, maybe even so. maybe even lesser known than some of these guys. I know? would say so. Uh, but... I think it's not even like you said it. If Paul Craig beats Shogun Hu, it's the biggest win of his career. That is the understatement of the century on the A side right now. If Paul Craig beats Shogun Hua, like that's going to be like you, anyone that beats Shogun Hua, that goes on that that goes on your resume yeah. for the rest of your life. Uh, I'm going to hop over to Twitter because I saw a lot of questions on Twitter, a lot of them for you, Pizzi. But uh, 
from Sean Denny. Oh no, this is gonna be this. Sean Denny, favorite venue to cover events. So you can. What is your favorite venue you've ever been to to cover an event, PT? Um, it's actually the Helix in Dublin. It's where all uh, Neil Siri, Conor McGregor, right, um, Carl Pendred all won their their titles. Um, unfortunately, it's actually it's it's not allowed to be a venue anymore because um, I, I believe Tyson Fury was going to do a press conference there once, and the whole place got shut up. So Whoa. they just stopped. They stopped them. Um, they stopped allowing combat sports things to happen there, but um, it's an amazing place. Um, of great memories, and even I was at a a card this past weekend in, in a small venue in, in in Ireland, and it really reminded me of. I was getting very nostalgic uh, watching it because it was like as I, as I said last week, it was about the new generation of potential yeah. Irish UFC fighters to come along, and I was watching it going, Jesus Christ, I feel like I'm right back here. Like I feel like I'm right back there watching these guys on the ascent and it's very exciting um and i think that's that's my favorite thing to do uh in terms of covering this sport is is picking the guys when they're really young and seeing them and just following them all the way until they get to the the big shows and i was lucky enough to do that with the likes of uh mcgregor and and uh syrian guys like that so uh yeah that it, i think it's just uh it's sentimental as well for irish mma it's funny because the place only holds about a thousand people, but I've probably met twenty five thousand to thirty thousand people who told me that they were there for all those fights. Right. You know, right. because they want to they want to say they were there and shit. So I'd say the Helix is mine. Um and now, like I've only ever covered one event there, um and it, MSG, without a doubt, cover covering an event there was a amazing experience. Um I can remember Ariel Awani trying to explain to me the significance of the really unique roof they have, and I'm like, why am I looking at the roof? I'm just, all of this action is going down here. <laughs> yeah, but, I, uh, yeah. I love MSG. Uh, for nostalgia rings, I really love the SAP Center or SAP Center in San Jose. There was a lot of Strike Force cards there. The UFC has been back a few times. Uh, Bellator goes back there a lot, so uh, I really like covering events in that venue. I believe I do, I can't I be, I think that's where the the Caesar Gracie fought. Was it Frank Shamrock? God, it's gonna drive me nuts if I if I get if I get this mistaken. Oh, yeah, that's old school, man. Holy shit! Yeah, Caesar Gracie, Frank Shamrock was at the HP Pavilion in San Jose, which is now the SAP Center. So I was right. Bam. So I love Bam. that venue. Uh, I like the Honda Center. I selfishly like the Talking Stick Resort Arena right down the street for me because I can walk there. Uh, the Honda Center is cool to cover events in, but their media room, the bathroom is on like two floors above you. So you got to take like an elevator to get there and back. It takes like a, take a whole process, whatever. I really liked the Milwaukee venue. And that was a brand new venue. Uh, they didn't really have a media room set up yet because it was the first ever UFC event held there. So they didn't really have the, 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 the working. <laughs> they didn't have it all set up. But I love the actual venue. I thought that was really beautiful. So is the Pepsi Center in uh, Denver. Uh, and then I love the garden just because I'm from New England. I want them to go to the Dunkin' Donuts Center in Providence, Rhode Island, so I can cover an event in my hometown. Uh, but they will never do that. Uh, but we're going to keep going on Twitter because I'm going to get real mad if I keep talking about that. Oh, <laughs> uh, man. I just lost what I was what I was looking at. The, the lovely Joe's. Yeah, my audio has gone crazy here. Let me just see. No, our audio is great. No, no complaints yet. So it was just yeah, what hair pro- headphones. 
Someone says, "What hair products does Pete does Pete to use? Have they has he used uh, conditioner yet?" No, um, I just use spit. Just wake up in the morning and uh, spit in my hands, uh, rub it through my hair, and then um, you know if I'm ever walking along and it feels a bit dry, I just punch someone in the face and then use their tears. That's all right. Rapid products I use. Rapid fire for pizza because we got a bunch from the same person from okay, Andy Stevenson. Go. Do you know this person? <laughs> Jesus Christ. I don't know yeah, what this means. Ahead. Is Pizzi secretly a South Sider? No, I'm not. I'm fucking Northside. Oh, uh, wow. Forever. <laughs> so don't ever. What, what's he, he's a South Sider. That's why he's asking this. There's a big I don't know what difference. that means. All the, all the posh, all the posh, well-to-do people come from the South Side in Dublin. So obviously, no, I am not one of those people. Thank you very much. Oasis or Blur? Oasis. I'll have to agree with that. Does Reggie secretly love Pizzi or Elaine more? I don't know what uh, that means. That my dog. Uh, he loves he loves Elaine more definitely, but he he confides in me. Like he tells me his secrets and stuff. You know. When can we expect Niall McGrath appearance on the A side? As soon as he wakes up. <laughs> Just once. We, once we we've been paying a lot of money to put him through uh, a lot of different therapies to try and get him off the the booze. So I mean, we're trying to use that as something to kind of. You know, motivate him, but he just keeps on ending up at the bottom of a whiskey bottle. I think going, he needs. Uh, you go to the side? I think we that's, need. That's uh, he needs some crystal therapy ASAP. Yeah. Uh, Dutch gold <laughs> or Dutch gold or Turbo t- Tuberg? I don't know what that says. Tuberg. All right. Tuberg. Well, I mean, if if the Dutch gold is really cold, and I'm drunk already, it's fine. It's fine. I don't know what any of that means, so I'm just gonna nod my head and say, "Yeah, that makes a lot of sense." They cost re- it's really cheap cans of beer, so it's like you give them five dollars and you get six cans, probably. Huh? From around there, Gabriel Arnatovic. Arnatovic. I really apologize if I pronounced your name wrong. From at Fight Fanatic MMA, he actually tweeted at us. He had a specific question: uh, Does the beat have a cardio issue, or is it a lack of danger and fear that lets him fight with a rich variety of striking and throwing caution to the wind that causes a pacing issue? I feel like danger would bring more calculated risks, like make like risk making the cardio and output less dramatic. Interesting question. I don't know if he does have a cardio issue because I'm not in his fight camp and I've never spoken to Zabit uh, one-on-one. I was hoping I would get to speak with him in Boston, but that fight obviously fell off and got moved to Moscow. Uh, but speaking of danger, like would I feel like danger would bring out calculated risk, making the cardio and output less dramatic. He fought Jeremy Stevens to a three-round decision. I don't know how much more dangerous you can get than fighting Jeremy Stevens inside an octagon of featherweight. Like, whether you win or lose, Jeremy Stevens puts on exciting fights. He fought Kyle Bokniak with, like, one hand. I feel like he hurt... Didn't he hurt it warming up in the back? And then that fight was unbelievable. There's that, like, 30-second clip of them just throwing leather against the fence. I think that clip really saved Kyle Bokniak's UFC career at the moment. Because uh, even though he lost, that fight was so good, they kept him around. But uh, from your... Point. I, I don't know if you watched the Moscow fight. Uh, Calvin Cater. Said event, he, yeah. yeah, Calvin Cater eventually said he ran out of time. Like if he had rounds four and five, he probably would have been able to pick up the pace and overtake Zabit. But Zabit's not been in a five-round fight in the UFC. There's still questions about there. So uh, another person uh, on the site asked, should Zabit fight the winner of Max Holloway and Alexander Volkanovsky? And I say not yet because there's still that question of how Zabit would look in a five-round fight. Yeah, I think that's fair enough. I mean, he's right there, isn't he? Like, I mean, I think yeah. I don't think anyone, I don't think anyone thinks that you know Zabit is not a title contender. He's a hundred percent a title contender. He's right at the top of the food chain there. But no, you're right. Um, you should have you should have 
you know, had a five rounds, I think, before you go into a title fight. Ideally, um, I think if you ask his coaches, that's the way they'd want it to be. And I don't feel as though the, the cardio has been a question for him up until this point. You know, um, I don't, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm forgetting something there. But I feel like, um, I feel like, you know, to base it, to, to say that off one fight is a lot. And um, you know, I, I don't, I don't know if he has a cardio issue. I really don't. And we, we always forget that these guys aren't going in 100. percent They very rarely, if ever, are 100 percent going into fights. You don't know if, if, if it's something that he injured that's hampering him in some way, or like you know, a situation like Diaz had where. Well, the Diaz said he had where he had his knee injury and he couldn't train for the last three weeks of the camp. I mean, knee injuries. I mean, anyone who's trained in grappling for any amount of time ever has had a knee injury, has had some pain in their knee where where they they can't move around and uh, very well in it. So, a, a guy like him who who seems to be so proficient in every area, it wouldn't surprise me if he if he was carrying injury and that might have depleted him a bit towards the end of that fight if if that's what people think happened. Yeah, uh, you never know what goes on heading into a fight. I think he should fight Yair uh, Rodriguez to beat versus Yair. They were scheduled to fight once before. That would be before. mental. They were oh supposed to fight God. in Dallas, and that fight fell through. Uh, Did both that not of- lead to Yair's getting fired or something the last time? No, Zabit. Uh, Yair had been let go. Uh, they had offered him to fight Zabit, and then uh, I can't remember. I don't know the exact story. And then they let Yair go. They brought him back. They scheduled him to fight Zabit on that Dallas card, the one that Tyron Woodley beat Darren Till. Uh, and Valentino was supposed to fight um, Nico Montano for the women's flyweight title, but then Yair fell out. Zabit ended up fighting Brandon Davis and submitting on that Suvalov stretch uh, to get the submission of the year. And oh, then please. Yair eventually fought Korean Zombie. You saw what happened. And then he fought Jeremy Stevens. But so I think he was actually a blessing in disguise because since then, neither one has lost and they've both garnered their stock has gone way up. Now they can fight in a five round main event. I don't know. Maybe it's one of those fight pass fight night cards. Not quite sure. Um, but I want that fight. You also have the Brian Ortega Korean zombie fight coming up. You have the Max Holloway Alexander Volkanovsky fight. So uh, there's no shortage of marquee featherweight fights. If you take any of those names that I just mentioned and put them in a hat and just pull the name out, pull two names out, I'll watch them fight each other. Yair versus Max Holloway, Brian Ortega Volkanovsky, Korean zombie versus the beat. I'll watch any of those fights. Like put them in a blender, stir it up, and whatever comes out comes out. I want front row seats. That's giving my popcorn I'm watching. Uh, but moving, one one more question on Twitter before I hop back over to the site. Uh, do you think Alexander Volkov took it easy on Greg Hardy? Uh, so in the co-main event, PT, I don't know if you watched this fight or no. no yeah, how you're going to have to take this one. <laughs> uh, Alexander Volkov basically just kind of pieced up Greg Hardy, three-round decision. Uh, I think a lot of people thought he would just absolutely tear through him. I don't know if you know the story of Greg Hardy here in the United States, uh, but he's former at, as the biggest NFL fan on the site, uh, I know Pete Carroll doesn't need any uh, ans- doesn't need any uh, lessons on American football. Uh, but Greg Hardy, let's was- go Raiders. Ew, that's super disappointing. Uh, <laughs> but Greg Hardy was one of the best football players uh, at the time, one of the best defensive linemen. Off the field trouble, uh, to put it blunt, like to put it. Uh, I'll, that's like a nice way of putting it. Uh, Basically, he was blackballed from the from the NFL. Uh, now then, the UFC signed him, and it was a whole big—I uh, don't want to say scandal—but people were very upset, specifically because he fought on 
uh, cards with Rachel Ostovich, uh, Jessica Rose Clark, who had uh, were victims of domestic violence. Uh, but Greg Hardy is now the first UFC heavyweight ever to have five fights in one calendar year. Uh, he debuted in January on that first ESPN card, uh, and then he fought just recently at, at, at UFC Moscow. So he's had five fights in one year. Uh, he's fought on pretty much only fight nights in ESPN cards. He's not fought on pay-per-view yet. I asked him, is fighting on pay-per-view a goal of yours? And he didn't even know what pay-per-view meant. He goes, so people oh, have to pay to watch me fight? I go, yeah, like uh, like UFC 244, people are going to have to pay $60 to watch a fight. He goes, I'll just fight on ESPN then. I'm like, whatever, dude. You clearly have never watched an <laughs> MMA fight in your life. He seemed very confused by my question. Uh, but he took the fight against Alexander Volkov on short notice after he beat Ben Sassoli in Boston. That was, remember, the inhaler that he had to use, which was against the rules. Um, and he took the fight against Alexander Volkov on short notice. I think a lot of people expected Volkov to want maybe fight France and Ganu, and Ganu really wanted that fight. So it was basically Alexander Volkov, who's one of the most seasoned heavyweights on the roster, fought in Bellator, fought in the UFC, has wins over like Verdum, Roy Nelson, was like two minutes away from beating Derek Lewis and maybe getting a title shot against Greg Hardy, who's only been fighting MMA for a handful of years. And I think a lot of people thought he was just going to tear through him. Ended up going to a three-round decision. Was not close. I thought 30-27 across the board, 30-26 was easy. I don't think he took it easy on him because Greg Hardy hits very hard. He hits – he's a he's he's an athlete. Like NFL – do you know what you know what the Pro Bowl is in, in America? So the Pro Bowl is once a year they take the best players from – like the best – like 40 players in football – and they put him on like an all like an exhibition all-star game. And Greg Hardy played in that as one of the best NFL players at the time. So he is an athlete. He is a strong, powerful athlete. I think he's like early 30s, late 20s, fighting Alexander Volkov. Dangerous fight for Volkov. I don't think he took it serious. I don't think he took him lightly. I just think he was very cautious because Greg Hardy can't do a lot of things. But he hits super hard. And I can't imagine Alexander Volkov wants to be on the wrong end of a highlight reel of Greg Hardy being knocked yeah, out. Yeah, shit. Yeah, I think, yeah. That's the way. Like, I mean, I wasn't surprised when I heard that result because Volkov has taken all the risk there. You know, like, what, what, why why should he go out and, and swing with reckless abandon just to get a win when, I mean, he's the one that's taking the short notice opponent. Greg Hardy has everything to gain. I mean, I think that's that's the more clever way to approach that for you if you're Volkov, you know? Yeah, and in America, when Greg Hardy fights, there seems to be a lot more attention on those fights just because of who he is and what people know him for. So Alexander Volkov took a fight that American audiences will tune in for. And when Greg Hardy fights on ESPN, like they'll give you an update. Like, here's what... Here's how the Greg Hardy fight went down. If Greg Hardy, if he goes out yeah. there and doesn't take him seriously and gets knocked out, that is going to be everywhere in America. So no, I'm not surprised it was a three round decision. I I like I don't like him being in the UFC. To right. be perfectly honest, and it's it's nothing to do with like, you know, I don't know shit about that. Like, I, I that's terrible by the way. Like, I mean, it's terrible that he's done that. It doesn't really help my opinion on him, of course. But I mean, he's just. Like, I don't feel like he even knows what he's doing in there. Like, I mean, the inhaler thing was ridiculous. The knee. I mean, I could take it or leave it, mate. Like, I, I don't I don't give, I don't care for that shit. And that's why I think they should, if if Cyril Gann wins in Busan on the 21st of December, the, the glow was already gone here. Like, he's lost twice now. Who cares? Let's make Cyril Gann and Greg Hardy. This is my promo. Make Cyril Gann and Greg Hardy next year. The shine has gone off Hardy now. Put him in there with Gan, who looks like an absolute savage. 
Make that the main event of the first card that's ever held in Paris, France, in the UFC. It would be fucking crazy. Ooh, I like that a lot. But you know who really wants to fight Greg Hardy more than anyone? Derek Juan Lewis. Adams? Derek Lewis. <laughs> uh, Greg Hardy already beat Juan Adams. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. I yeah. remember back in the day he was giving it the big one. But oh, yeah, um, yeah I, I like that. Like, I feel like Gan is a, is a more believable opponent from a matchmaking point of view. He got Volkov because Volkov was you know, left without a dance partner. Derek Lewis was is a former title contender. Cyril Gans fought five times in his life in MMA. I don't hate it. Make and uh who's the fighter that just that knocked out um he just fought in Melbourne, the heavyweight from Fall River, Massachusetts. Oh my gosh. He knocked him dead. Uh, oh shit, the uh, uh the guy Portuguese who came guy. from Dana White's choosing choosing yeah. a contender series. Yes, Portuguese um, man. Uh, Castro um, Castro. Yeah, Jorgen De Castro. That's his name. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I know a lot. If Greg Hardy had won in Boston, I think a lot of. I saw a few people on Twitter saying Greg Hardy should fight uh, Jorgen De Castro because if you look at Greg Hardy's record, uh, loses to Alan Crowder in his debut by DQ because of an illegal knee. Uh, I think if maybe if he had survived that round, he might have gotten the decision. That fight was so bad. I don't really remember that I'm fight. Just I was, with, like I mean, I don't. I don't get it. Like it's like what? What is the I don't get it. I didn't see the Volkov fight, so maybe I'll be like, "Wow, what a magician!" Right. But um, I don't know if that will be the case. But he he beat he loses Alan Crowder by DQ. Might might have been a win. I'll say maybe he wins. Beats and then fin- and then finishes Dmitry Smolikov and Juan Adams in the first round. Both of them less than three minutes. Uh, so that could potentially be a three round three three fight win streak. Beats Ben Sassoli in Boston by decision. But then they turn to a no contest because of the inhaler. So that's a four-fight win streak inside the UFC. And then fights Alexander Volkov to a decision. So, uh, yeah, say what you want about Greg Hardy. And I've said this a lot. Like, I'm not a big fan of him being in the UFC whatsoever. Alexander Kaylee, the bad boy, he is not a fan of Greg Hardy whatsoever. He's talked about a lot. How I don't, could you be a fan? How could I agree. You be a fan? I agree. I'm not a fan of him being in the UFC whatsoever. Uh, but if this is anyone else... He went to ATT, and he's on a four-fight win streak. We're probably talking about a, a, a high-level heavyweight prospect, but instead, it's Greg Hardy, and it's very difficult for me to talk about talk about him but, like that. But he, he, he's not on a four-fight win streak because his complete ignorance of the sport have cost him two, two wins. I, that's you know? what I was so getting that's, at. The, that's we have literally to stop what I was letting these guys just walk into the highest league in the sport. Like, it actually annoys me that, like, I mean, even with... Uh, we hear that this rugby player is going to get signed by Bellator or whatever. And, and Paddy Hewlin actually said at the time, he's like, imagine me say, imagine Paddy Hewlin going, I'm going to play for the Irish rugby team next year. What? There'd be fucking murder. People in rugby communities would go wild. But it's okay for these guys to just walk, waltz on into MMA. Like, what does that say about MMA? Like, what What does it you, say about the skill? The skills required to be in here? There's people like, we're talking about Shogun Hua earlier. He's been fighting professionally for about 20 years. Like, I mean, we shouldn't be allowing guys to just swan in on the retirement swan song to, to be in this sport when guys like Shogun Hu are, are there. And, you know, I just, I think it cheapens the whole thing, you know? I agree. And I I couldn't agree more. And I was, at, I, did you watch that first ESPN card, the TJ Dillashaw, Henry Cejudo fight card in Brooklyn? Yeah. So yeah. that was the main event. And the co-main event was Greg Hardy versus... Uh, yes. Alan Crowder, and after watching that shit. fight, I think the between the co-main event and the main event, there has been that was the 
biggest gap in talent yeah. we have ever seen between fights because TJ Dillashaw and Henry Zahuda are two of the best fighters of all time. And then Greg Hardy and Alan Crowder is one of the worst fights I've ever seen. So from from that fight to the main event, we saw an insane jump in talent. And then Donald Cerrone and Alexander Hernandez was fought like on the undercard before the Greg Hardy fight. That was so, a wild, that was a good, <laughs> that was a good, very high level fight, like you know. But I know I know Derek Lewis really very badly wants to fight Greg Hardy. He hates that guy. Uh, I think Greg Hardy was saying he would fight Der- Derek Lewis like any time, uh, but. That's neither here nor there because I don't think that fight is ever going to happen anytime soon. Because, like you said, you can't just walk into the UFC. Well, I guess technically you can now because uh, yeah, oh, Greg, you absolutely like, can. That's the problem. Hard is doing it. Uh, we absolutely saw. Can. <laughs> I mean, we saw Logan Paul and KSI do crazy numbers on DAZN over in the Staples Center. I didn't even care I didn't even about know that, who fight. Won that fight. Who won the fight? Uh, KSI. Didn't even know who that was until the first fight. Oh, you watched the first one, I think. I don't know. I didn't hear shit about this one though. And the only thing I, saw a, about, uh, I heard about this one was Dylan Dennis. Like, well, uh, Dylan Dennis popping up in headlines. Logan Paul says Dylan Dennis does something or whatever. Like, I, I think know. Eddie Hearn was uh, promoting this one, and this was actually a professional fight, if I'm not mistaken. This wasn't like an amateur yeah, exhibition no fight. Yeah, yeah. So, um, does that mean KSI has a better professional boxing record than Conor McGregor? It does, but I mean, <laughs> look at the comp- look at the 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 standard of competition. Well, I, but- I have a better I have a better professional boxing record than Conor McGregor as well, True. right? Because I'm all one out. True, but all I right. like the box. Fuck no. <laughs> From Thomas crying. Nobody cares about these fights. The only fight that matters is PT's hair versus gravity. <laughs> Tom. <laughs> I know Tom. I used to train with Tom for a long time. He's actually well known for injuring people. He's so big, he just walks in and just. Smashes people off the wall, and then he just stops training for a year. Meanwhile, some fella is is eating his meals through a tube and not being able to hold his children because Tomo. Yeah, he mangled. says Hardy is a criminal, unlike Pete's hair. <laughs> there you go. They see you don't get it over there. You're like, why aren't you using conditioner? This is the look I'm aiming for. This takes weeks. This takes weeks. <sighs> To get in this type of, it took two weeks to get that. I thought that was just a Brillo pad sitting on your head. That's what I wanted to be. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. That's that's the look I'm going for, Stan. Uh-huh. What? Is, okay, <laughs> listen, you. I've gotten that comment enough times. I get a lot She's of. Uh, I'm wondering why I got out of bed at all. Morning bank tides up my window. I'm making that clip and I'm putting it everywhere. I've it's gotten a lot of, <laughs> I've got a lot of. Uh, who's that Milo guy? That Milo buffoon that's everywhere. Uh, he was everywhere for a while. I don't know his, how to pronounce his last name. I get him, I get Blonde Jeezy, and I get Stan. So I don't need any of that from you, Pizza Carol. Uh, but we're way <laughs> long on time. So Pizza, I know you had a little bit of a promo earlier, but is there anything else you want to say before we wrap up this edition of the A Side? Um, no, but uh, I think actually. There's a new promotion um, that's going to be working between Africa and Europe uh, called Aries Fighting Championship. Yeah. I broke some news today that Taylor Lapalus, a former UFC fighter, has signed for them. They have three former UFC fighters on that card, their first card, which is on December 14th in Senegal. Uh, Fernand Lopez, Francis Ngannou's coach and Cyril Gann's coach has a, has a lot to do with it. But I think it's a really interesting one because they've got huge financial backing. So, I mean... 
they might be able to come into Europe and make some serious, do some serious damage straight away, just based on how much money they have. And it's interesting to see a promotion actively uh, working in Africa for the first time. And they have a TV deal in all twenty, like in I believe it's twenty six countries in Africa. So just interesting to see that because Africa seems to be this uh, a continent which is just crying out for. MMA to land there with all these stars in the UFC. I think it's interesting to keep a look on that. Their first event is December 14th. And if you've never seen Senegalese wrestling before, it's huge. They do it in stadiums yeah. over there. Um, they have signed a Senegalese wrestling champion to uh, debut on that card as well. So interesting. Like Obviously, they have, a, they have a, a bit of a knack on how to promote over there and stuff. And So I'm just interested to see how that works between Africa and Europe. Obviously, Fernand Lopez involved with them and he has a great amount of African fighters based in France. So I feel like they could come into France um, and do something like, say, Cage Warriors has done between the UK and Ireland and become, you know, a, a feeding ground for, for the UFC out there. I'm just really interested in seeing that because France and Africa seem to be two real emerging forces in MMA, of course, with the legalization landing in France in January 2020. I think it's, I think it's just an interesting one to keep an eye on. I think if they, if you go to the U.S. Olympic or Olympic, it might not be U.S. It might just be the Olympic YouTube channel. There's a video of uh, Cain Velasquez wrestling with uh, Sangalese wrestlers That's right. on the beach, yeah, yeah, yeah. and I asked him about that because because this is right before we fought Francis. I go, is MMA a big deal over there as like we think it is because of like the uh, all of these fighters uh, coming up? And he goes, they love it, man. It's also one of the hardest things Cain Velasquez ever did. Uh, I also found out that Cain Velasquez is like one sixteenth African or something like that on one of his parents' side. Uh, so he goes, he was basically this is before he fought France and Ghana. So he goes, this is a battle between two heavyweight African contenders. And I was like, oh, don't say that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I don't really have a promo because last week I lost my mind at the possibility of Israel Adesanya and Yolo Romero possibly fighting. And everyone said that. They're like, what's Jose on? I don't like this fight, this, that. Shut up. That fight has to happen. Even Dana White is finally coming around because remember he goes, I don't know if Yolo Romero should uh, get a title shot off of a loss. And I can't remember who it was, but someone uh, tweeted at us. a They corrected us, and we, we said Alexander Gustafson was like the last fighter, to, one of the only fighters to get a title shot off of a loss. Nick Diaz lost to Carlos Condit and then fought George St. Pierre. Don't be scared. Don't be scared, homie. So uh, all this Nick Diaz talk, and he... This, this Twitter user that I can't remember, I really apologize, was ahead of the game. Uh, but for my promo, I'm just going to say, today is my mother's birthday. So, happy birthday, Mom. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Mrs. Martine, Mrs. Martinez. She did not change her last name. You call her Mrs. Young, she's going to get real angry. Mrs. So, Martinez, I beg your pardon. I wouldn't have taken that disgusting Irish name either. Fair play to you. <laughs> wow. My dad, dad wouldn't want that name either. But for Jose, this is Pizzi. We'll be back next Wednesday. Maybe it'll be Pizzi. Maybe it'll be the bad boy. I've been trying to get the submission radio lads on the show for a long time. Maybe that'll finally I'm happen. I'm going to be in London next week. Ooh, you're going to be in London next week. So maybe it'll be the bad boy. Maybe it'll be someone else. I'll let you guys know next week. But for Jose, that's Pizzi. Stay on this YouTube channel because Guillerme is going to be in uh, Sao Paulo. Uh, Pizzi, you want to sing any more of that song you were trying to serenade me with? Oh, for shit. I, I'm not good enough with the verses. My rapping isn't as good as my singing, so I can only do Dido's part. A likely story. But AK to come on and do the rapping. That's true. AK could come on and talk about how the Raptors are terrible this year. But for Jose, that's Pizzi. We're out. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. 
you can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.